I had just made a different choice. I said, you know what? I am going to do well, but I'm not going to do well because I'm looking for the approval or I'm looking for the applause and I'm looking for an audience from anyone else. I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to do it because I deserve better. This is To The Nines Podcast. I am your host, Tiffany Wicks, a mom of seven who doesn't subscribe to the idea that you have to choose between your family and a career. I am on a mission to show the stay-at-home mom who has lost herself in childcare and cocomelon and the overworked corporate holdout who isn't finding joy and purpose in their career that they can work for themselves, making an impact and an income that serves your dream life. After leaving my nursing career to raise our family, I needed more mental stimulation, but didn't want to give up the privilege of raising our legacy. I've been in network marketing now for five years. I know the strategy and mindset it takes to be successful and to live a life aligned with your values and your purpose. Join me as I share my business tips, marketing mistakes, attitude shifts you need to space out some time for you, or ditch your nine to five completely and start working for yourself. You have the power to change your life. Let's get started. This is just the beginning. Hello, welcome back to the podcast, my sweet friends. Today I am both relieved and a little bit sad. My kids' cross-country season is officially over. It was the championship race today. And my middle schooler's team placed first. And my junior, um, which is fifth grade and below, he's in third grade, they placed second. So the junior girls didn't podium, but they did their best. I think there's like six of them. So very small team, but they did excellent. The families there are just incredible. The kids are even more amazing. And I'm so, so grateful to have spent the season with them and really watching my runners flourish and bloom and get better and better. My Mason, my third grader, he did amazingly well, and I literally could not be more proud. Um, Also, my 12-year-old turns 12 tomorrow, in fact. He has PR'd three times over this season, and he missed a new PR today by one second. I mean, talk about it. And I know where that one second happened, too. He looked at his watch to see what his time was when he was on the straightaway heading into the finish line, and I was screaming, go, go, go. Like, don't look at your watch. Don't look at me. Just get through the finish line. And he didn't run through the finish line. He kind of slowed down to a trot as he was approaching it. So, Anyway, hard lessons learned, but he did incredible. This is the kid who didn't want to go at all in the beginning of the season. In fact, he uh, faked stomach aches. He faked injuries. He was doing the most to try and not do running because he had, first off, he'd never ran outside of like playing tag or capture the flag. He had never run a race against other people. In any case, it just intimidated him and he didn't want to do it. But I encouraged him slash made him, I guess. He showed up. He did awesome. So anyway, great day. So let me tell you a little bit about the race and then I will get into the subject content for today's podcast episode. The entire season, to include last season and the season before that, when my oldest son ran with the team, I cry at every race. And for a while, I was looking around. I was like, well, surely I'm not the only mom who's just proud of my kids. Um, Why is nobody else bawling their face off at their races? And then 
I decided it, it's got to be more than just I'm proud of my kids. Or, you know, when they win, sometimes you cry because you're just, you know, you're proud. You're so excited. But this was every race when they would start. And it didn't even have to be my kid in the race. It was just any kids. As soon as they started crossing the finish line, you know, we're standing on um, the roped off sides where you've got all the parents hollering and, you know, the kids, you can just see the pain on some of their faces. I mean, this there's multiple kids who vomit at the end of the races. I mean, they're just pushing so hard and I would find myself crying and I'm like, why am I doing that? It just seems so weird, right? So anyway, I started doing some self-reflection and here is what I have come across. This is the child inside of me that wanted my parents to show up to anything and cheer for me and be there for me and say, great job. I'm so proud of your efforts. I mean, when I was a kid, my parents um, did not do very well financially. Um, And even if they were making enough money to cover sports or clubs, the money was not going to be allocated towards myself or either of my two sisters to do sports or clubs because they just didn't see the value in that. Uh, My parents had their own things they were dealing with. My mom had a gambling addiction. My dad had a spending addiction where he would try and outspend, I guess, my mom by, you know, getting cars uh, and not like Rolls Royce cars. I'm talking about junkers that he would park in our front yard and he would be fixing up like three or four of them at the same time and building race cars and car parts aren't cheap. Have you guys bought a carburetor recently? I mean, it's all so expensive and it wasn't that it was any less back then. Um, and back then is like, I don't know when I was a kid, I'm 41. So you can do some math like 28 years ago. It wasn't much less expensive then than it is now. It's just that it wasn't a priority for my parents. So, you know, fast forward, I suppose, you know, whenever I see my kids or any kids going through the finish line, I see their parents on the sidelines jumping up and down. That wounded part of me that didn't get that just weeps. I cry for the little girl who wanted her parents to be proud of her. I mean, there was, so I fought martial arts and I got one month paid for, for a Christmas gift one year. And, you know, I was told at that point, if you wanted to continue fighting in karate, you had to figure out how to pay for it. So, you know, enter my first job, which was throwing newspapers on people's doorsteps. And in Georgia, where I live, not a big deal, right? If you live in a neighborhood, the weather is pretty decent year round. You guys, I was born and raised in Alaska. So in the summertime, sweet deal. It's like sunshine pretty much all the time, nearly 24 hours a day. The weather is not horrible at all. Um, But the majority of the time, it's winter. And yes, I had hundreds of newspapers that we had to fold up, put into sleeves, put it inside of our aprons, over our snowsuits, hats, gloves, boots, get outside, and you're not riding a bicycle in the wintertime. And I had an entire list of who received the morning paper. Well, do you recall, is anyone here old enough to recall when the morning paper was thrown on their front doorstep? It's like 0600, okay, very early in the morning. And I had to do this before school even started. So I'm waking up at like 3.30 in the morning to put the newspapers in sleeves, pack my apron, and start trucking out on the street so that I can go deliver newspapers all throughout my neighborhood. So once, you know, I earned money doing that, as soon as I was 14, which was the legal age to work in um, Alaska, 
I did get a job at a tanning salon. I worked at a restaurant. I worked, I mean, I, I worked wherever they would hire me. And I actually stayed at the restaurant. I worked at Denny's. Anyone else here work at Denny's? Grand Slam. Oh, I love that sandwich. Or that was the breakfast. The sandwich that I loved was moons over my hammy. I have to actually crack myself up actually saying that. Moons over my hammy. But it was delicious. If you have not been to a Denny's, that is the jam. Any case, who knows if they even still have it. That's what I would do to earn money to pay for my karate. And, you know, we would have tournaments, in-house tournaments. And my parents would say, yeah, we'll come. We'll see. We'll watch. And I would be standing back, like, looking at the door. And each new person that walked in, I was waiting for it to be my parents. I thought, this is my turn. I get to have somebody cheering for me. And you know what? They never came. And, you know, I tell my kids the story. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that's so horrible. And it's like, yeah, it was. But... You know, I'm, I'm, well, I'd love to say I'm over it, but clearly if I'm crying for my old self, I'm over it in the sense that I don't need therapy for it, being able to cry. And actually I haven't cried the last couple of meets. So I figure, you know, there is some healing taking place. Like every ounce of love and support I pour into my own kids is a part of me that heals from the love I didn't get as a kid. There was also, there was also report cards. So my kids are homeschooled, so I know exactly how they're doing in every subject. And I am their teacher. I'm their principal. I am their report card. So they get constant feedback about where they need to improve and, you know, we'll redo lessons, what have you. Well, when I was a kid, you had parent-teacher conference where they would set up the teachers in the gymnasium or in their classrooms and you would have designated times that you would sign up for and you'd show up in like 10 minute intervals where you'd meet with the teachers, sit down, get your kid's report card, and the teacher would tell you all the things about, you know, where they needed improvement, how they were great they were, all the stuff. I tried so hard as a youngster to do really, really well. Like I wanted my teachers to like me. I wanted to get good grades. And I wanted all of this because I wanted my parents to be like, look, Mrs. So-and-so thinks I'm amazing. Why don't you? Look how great I am. They're about to tell you just how great I am. And you know what? I would look forward to parent-teacher conferences so that my parents could hear how awesome I was. And if maybe somebody else told them, then perhaps they would believe it. And then they would think I was awesome too. And I would get the attention and the support that I really um, ran after as a kid. And no, they never came to a parent-teacher conference. (laughs) My report card ended up being the one that had to be mailed home because my parents never came. So get into about middle school, I just stopped trying. So there's nobody that's on my team. Nobody's on my side. Nobody's coming to cheer for me. Why even try? And that's when all my trouble began. I got into so much trouble. I fought with anyone that I could provoke um, into a fight. I got suspended from school constantly for fighting or, you know, I put gum in the bus driver's hair. I would just provoke and start mess anywhere I could because, well, if I wasn't going to get it attention in a positive way, I was going to behave negatively. That'll get their attention. And it got their attention all right, but I wasn't receiving the love and support that I really wanted. So I just stopped trying and I got into a lot of trouble. Um, I did end up homeless at one point, um, story for another time, but I lived downtown at the homeless shelter. Uh, they gave me a couple quarters 
every day to take the bus into school uh, when I was in high school. And high school is when I actually turned things around and I started doing a lot better. And it's not because anything in my individual circumstance had changed. My parents were still just as distracted with their own lives um, as they ever were. I had just made a different choice. I said, you know what? I am going to do well, but I'm not going to do well because I'm looking for the approval or I'm looking for the applause and I'm looking for an audience from anyone else. I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to do it because I deserve better. I'm going to do this because I want a different life. I am so tired of living the same nightmare day over day over day. So that's when it all changed for me. I just made a different choice. I said, I'm going to do well on this because I want to do well. I want to be proud of me. And if there's fallout from that and other people happen to be proud, great, perfect, bravo. But I didn't do it for them anymore. And for the content for today, I mean, that's really where I want to hit home with this. Recently, I had made some really dumb comments about, and it was really a crappy mindset. I mean, me, I'm doing a podcast on mindset and business, and here I am. I mean, I'm not immune to it. Do you think just because I can push record on a microphone and talk into it and share my ideas and things that I've learned that somehow I'm never falling victim to crappy thinking and horrible mindset and saying, I'm going to quit. I'm not made for this. I'm no good. Of course not. I'm normal. I'm a normal person just like you. And I was really into some awful mindset. And a mentor and friend of mine called me out on it. And she was like, look, that was really crappy. And your head right now, like you need to pick it up, girl, because you are sounding so defeatist. And I said, well, I'm sounding defeatist because I do feel defeated. She's like, well, then no wonder your results are defeating. Like, you get your head back in the game. What are you doing? And I'm sure if she were not living in St. Louis, she probably would have went over and slapped me across my face. And I would have let her because I was like, what am I doing? And then I got the most, the sweetest DM on Instagram that came so absolutely timely. Um, A woman messaged me and her voice message, it wasn't even typing. And she said, you know, because of you, I have found other mentorship, not just in me, but in other people that I have followed. And because I have chosen to surround myself with people who are looking to win, they keep their chin up. You know, they might have a moment like I do, but for the most part, like their eyes are looking up, man. They are not looking behind them. Their rear view mirror is smaller than the windshield, which is why you got to keep your eyes ahead and keep your mind on the prize. And you know what? She, those two women pulled me out of the funk as if I were a fish underneath a net being pulled out of water. Like I needed that so badly. I needed one person to slap me across the face and say, Hey, buck up, you know, get, get over this, get over yourself, keep going forward. And then I needed that other woman to say, Hey, I just want you to know how positively you have impacted my life. And she said, you impact more people than you realize. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like if the Lord had not orchestrated this himself, I mean, I'm sure that he did. It was just such a beautiful last, you know, 18 hours of my life that really helped me pivot my mind big time. So to you ladies, Corey and Jennifer, you know exactly who you are. I am so grateful for you. And you know what? If you need me to be that person who says, hey, pick up your chin, honey, get back in the game, 
I will. If you need me to be the person who claps on the sidelines and sheds a few tears as you run through the finish line, I'll do that. And if you need me to be the person who DMs you and says, hey, babe, you're making a huge difference in this world. Don't stop. I'll do that for you. I hope you're going to have a fantastic rest of your day. And I can't wait to see you here next week on the podcast. All right. Cheers, friends. Bye.